Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Welcome to uh, fall in Wisconsin. Amen. No? Yes? Some of you are still in shock. It's okay. We turned the heater on and got it going in here. And so, uh, no, it's great. Great to see you today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn me to Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, this is what we kind of call a standalone message. And so we finished the series on In the Valley, and my wife Tammy did an amazing job last weekend speaking to all the ladies, uh, the Mother's Day services. Yeah, you can give her a big hand. I saw some of you doing that. Great message. And um, I was uh, in the land of cotton uh, last weekend uh, with my mom at Mother's Day. My brother graduated from Arkansas State University, so we were there. I couldn't get back. And and time and all of that, so I wound up being there with them. I know, I had to eat biscuits and gravy every day. Yeah, don't weep for me when I'm gone. And so anyhow, so, uh, but uh, anyhow, it was a great time. Uh, my biggest struggle last week, if I can just tell you, I, I had to pray through, but I was trying to get strawberries through TSA. Yes, and it was a difficult challenge, and I didn't make it, so I've got to find another way to do that, and so anyhow, but to just keep praying for me. I, I lost my salvation and found it back, and you got to love all the joys of that. But uh, anyhow, so last weekend we, we did that, and then this weekend is uh, just kind of this standalone that we want to kind of really share some really cool things. I'm not asking for any money today. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not going to ask me. He's not going to ask me. Say this, say this. He's not going to ask me for any money. Okay, so I don't want you thinking, where's he going with this? Because that's what you're going to think. Now, you're probably going to want to give money because what I'm going to ask you for is more precious to you than money. Uh, and if you want to do both, that's fine with me. But I'm not asking for money, okay? I just want to share with you some things that God has been doing. And, um, and so the past several months have been some exciting months, some of the best months, in my opinion, that in, we've had in the history of Life Church. Um, at the first of the year, I came before you and just said, hey, here is something we've been working on uh, as a leadership team for over the past year. It's been something that's been in my heart for a long, 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 long time. Actually, way back when I was in Bible college. But, but here, knowing that one day we'd have this opportunity to really be able to, to be a church that didn't just hit one location, but multiple locations, and really reach a city and make, make, a, make a major difference, not just in the suburban area, but in the city of Milwaukee, which we're all connected to. It's all part of one kind of ecosystem that we all live in. And, uh, and so the first year I told you this was the year that God was going to open the door, and I actually put a map up on the screen and showed you, hey, from, from Brown Deer Road to uh, down to, to North Ave, from 57, which is Cedarburg Road, to over to 181, uh, the freeway, there was going to be this open door of opportunity that God was going to open up. And, and I didn't know where the building was going to be, but I knew that we needed a location to kind of a beachhead to kind of launch everything out of. And the good news is I knew that's where we were going. The, the difficult news is I didn't know where that spot was going to be, but I felt like that it was out there. And so if you had a building in that area, I wanted it, if you remember that conversation. And people laughed, and I went, I'm serious. Because I'm shameless when it comes to that kind of stuff. And so God, God blessed us as a congregation, as a, as a fellowship of Christians. He blessed us with an opportunity to be able to have a place at 56th and Burleigh, right there in the heart of, of that Sherman Park neighborhood, where just... Less than two years ago, they were riding in the streets, and there was burning of buildings that are still being reconstructed to today. 
And, uh, and so I just kind of want to give you an update on where things are and where we're going and where, what we're going to get to do together, which is really pretty cool. And so, you know, since then, what we've been able to do is we, we hired, because there was a congregation there when we got the building. We, if, I was just thinking we're going to get a building. It's going to be an outreach center. Well, God had something a little bit different in mind. And so he, he gave us a, a congregation that had been meeting there for about 30 people. Uh, and uh, there it was called Central Assembly of God. And so we were given that, gifted that building, which if you know anything about receiving a gift of that kind, there's a lot of legalities and accounting that has to go involved. So that takes time and working through all the uh, attorneys and this and that to just get the paperwork done, everything done, everything set up and everything, the gift received, so forth and so on. Due diligence on our part to make sure the gift that we're receiving is a gift that is truly a gift and not kind of like, oh, here's this gift that's going to have, it's going to cost you more to do this, that, and the other uh, than it would to receive it. And so God gave us that. We have that congregation. And so what we did, we, 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 we did several things, one of which we hired a campus pastor, Robert Bell, who you got to meet Easter weekend. And I just want to let you know that the campus has, has tripled just since Robert has been there uh, in the last several weeks, couple months, just on that campus. And so that church is not ran. The numbers that it's run, ran, running right now uh, as long as I've been the pastor here at Life Church, and so, and we're just getting started. Now, Robert will kind of, he has a, a good way of getting people to church. He calls everybody and makes sure and kind of threatens them, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Matter of fact, we may employ those tactics here, um, but, uh, but anyhow, it's just great. God's doing great things. We also um, went in, and we changed the name from Central Assembly, which it had been for, for decades, to uh, Life Church Milwaukee. And so it's, it's, that, it's, it's the official Life Church campus. And, and these next couple of weeks, we're launching Life Kids. And so our goal is by September 1 that we are a fully functioning Life Church campus. Because, again, we kind of are building the bike as we're riding it, if that makes any sense at all. And so we're on this thing. There's already a, a congregation there, so we needed to be respectful of the history and the people that were there and come alongside them. But we needed to change some things, so that's what we've been doing. We also uh, knew that what was in our heart to do as a, as a congregation of one church, multiple locations, was to have an outreach center so that we could really minister to needs not just have a church campus. So the campus, the church aspect is one part of it, but we wanted to really reach the, this, the, the needs of the city. And so we needed a director to come on. And so Craig Mueller, who has been a long-term Life Church member, uh, through multiple things that I don't even have time to go into, has walked away and left a, a corporate job in corporate America making much, much, much more money than what we could ever pay him and walked away from that and a lot of things. It was probably not the best career move for him as far as his resume builder, um, but, but, but it was what God put in his heart, and we are so blessed, and so his job is to run logistics to help us as a church, life church in every location, connect with the city, with city leaders, to really to be able to develop some opportunities and some things there, and so one of the things in which we've done is that the campus there is not just going to be called Life Church, it's going to be called Milwaukee, Life Center Milwaukee, and so that's what the building's going to be called, is Life Center Milwaukee. And so that then we're able to engage with other not-for-profits and other NGOs and even other churches that may say, we want to partner with an outreach center. Uh, but at that outreach center is where Life Church Milwaukee campus will meet, if that makes any sense. It doesn't make a lot of difference to you, but it makes a ton of difference when we're trying to go after grants and dollars and organizations and donors and all the conversations that we've had. So we've put this in place to kind of turn this into its own 501c3 that's owned and operated by Life Church. Us, I'm just talking a little legal ease here, but in order to minister to those needs. And so we're in the process of doing all of that and having all that happen. Having said that, you kind of look at some of these things 
and some of what God is doing. And it begins to be a bit, well, it's, it's exciting, but it's also a bit challenging. And uh, there's a lot of work that we have to do. And so what I want to do is instead of explain all of this to you, I want to take you to just kind of on a, on a, on a, just a journey this morning. And I want to start it with this video because I want you to see what we're walking into. I want you to experience it. And then I want to hear not just from me telling you, but from people that have been serving for decades in the center city of Milwaukee. People that are working in not-for-profits and government organizations, pastors that are in that area. And then also just the immense need, but the great opportunity that's there. And so I want you to check out this video, and then I'm going to come and unpack this and what this means for us in this season at Life Church. Check this out. Cars burning near Sherman and Burlock. The flames lit up the neighborhood as many nervous residents stayed locked in their homes. A lot of young people are angry at the lack of opportunity and lack of accountability from the top down. Milwaukee has some of the largest racial disparities in the country when it comes to school performance, incarceration, and unemployment. In terms of life prospects, it's one of the worst places to be young and black in America. Reach in the, into the community. Help the people that's there. Don't shun us and talk about them because you know what they're really dealing with on the street and you have the power to change. We do need to do more and we all need to do more. We need more resources in this community. We need more revitalization of the neighborhoods and we need more access to employment. When I look at the issues facing the central city of Milwaukee, it's unsustainable. Some of the main needs are employment, their transportation, their child care, their uh, healthy foods, there's, it's mental health, it's drug addiction. Milwaukee is the nation's fifth most impoverished city in the United States. The area that we're in on 55th and Burley, there are several churches nearby. But what we don't have is we don't have a community center. We also don't have a food shelter in 53210. Human trafficking is a major issue in the city of Milwaukee. And if folks know you're in the child welfare system, you're easy target because they're minors, because they're not really able to make those decisions. You can't just go get a job. You can't go rent an apartment because you're not 18 or 21 or 25 to be able to do it. We had a number of, of our youth that would be caught up in human trafficking as a means of survival. As late as the 70s, this area, or Milwaukee, was really the hub of economic development or ec economic growth for black families. So then when manufacturing left in the 80s, Milwaukee really took a hit. Now manufacturing and, and industrial jobs are coming back. And so it's really an opportunity for people in Milwaukee to really pick up those jobs. But the problem is that you had now two or three generations of that gap. And so now our community really doesn't know what jobs to look for, what jobs to ask for, not realizing that there's more than retail and fast food available to them. We have some of the worst health outcomes in the entire country right here in the central city of Milwaukee. We have to focus on those issues that are driving health for our communities. And they're not access to doctors or hospitals. That's important, but it's employment, it's poverty, it's safe living arrangements. It's the schools that our kids go to. 
The segregation is a, uh, it's a systemic problem, which means that it has roots and it goes back, you know, generations. According to the U.S. Census, Milwaukee is the most segregated city in the country. Over 50% of black males are incarcerated. The, the man was taken out of the home first. And when you take the man out, it's the authority level. The enemy knows. When the family unit is eroded, that creates a whole nother dynamic. This did not just happen. There are things that have been moving along over the years and we haven't kept our eyes on it. A lot of us don't work together. A lot of what has to happen, and I think it has to happen from the leadership down. There needs to be a focus on what do we need to do and how do we tackle it. As Dr. King said, we are in an inescapable mutual relationship. What directly impacts you, indirectly impacts me. Uh, whether we're in Germantown, whether we're in Milwaukee, uh, we're connected together. So it's wiser for us to recognize that we are one body in Christ. You know, in Matthew 25, 40, God tells us, for the least of these that you do, you do unto me. And so as a church body, we have a responsibility to take care of our brothers and sisters. I just think that the church needs to be more consistent with love. Jesus said, you'll know my disciples by the love they have for one another. So it's very important that people see love. And this is our opportunity. And that's what's gonna draw. In Acts 2 through 47, it said that God added to that number daily because they were loving on one another. It's very important that we love in this season. Change takes time. If it took Milwaukee 40 or 50 years to get to where we are, it may take longer than that to get us from out of it. And so we need to understand that it's a challenge, but be ready for the work. If you're not ready for the work, don't come. It's almost overwhelming when you look at it, when you read the statistics, when you hear the conversations, when you unpack it, and then when you really think about how crazy it is that a suburban church wants to come in and help be a part of the change in the city of Milwaukee. How do we do that? Where, where, where do we find the answers to those questions? I'm so glad you asked that. You're such smart people. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah, in my opinion, is probably the premier book on visionary leadership. Much has been written about Nehemiah. Much has been studied about Nehemiah. And I just want to unpack that for a couple of minutes. Because I think this has great application to all of us, especially those of you that are in leadership, but us as a, as a body of believers. You have to understand that Nehemiah was a cupbearer to King Anaxerxes. And so the reality is, is that Nehemiah's role was, was one of, of intimacy with the king. Uh, it was a trusted advisor to the king. He was the one that made sure that the king's uh, diet as far as what was coming to him and what was around him was safe and was keeping him alive. And so Nehemiah was in this very trusted position. But Nehemiah was under the rule of King Anaxerxes, and, and he was not, uh, he, he was a Jew. And so his hometown was Jerusalem, which was some 900 miles away. 
And Nehemiah has a dream, and, 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 and it was the city of Jerusalem that had been destroyed by Babylon, and, and Nehemiah is told about the destruction as you read uh, that first chapter. He's told about the destruction of his hometown, and he's overwhelmed with sadness because of the heritage, because that's his people. The Bible says that the, that the city, the walls lay in ruin, and the gates were destroyed. Walls and gates in the Old Testament symbolize the strength and the power of a city. If a, strength was, if a city was powerful, then, then the walls were fortified and the, and, and the gates were strong. But if the gates were destroyed and the walls were broken down, it was a picture that the city had been destroyed and that its moral decay was there and that there was just, it would lay in ruin and so did its people. And in this morning, God gives Nehemiah a dream to rebuild this city, to rebuild this wall. And when you hear about him rebuilding the wall, the, the actual numbers kind of come into play because this wall was going to have to be 15 to 20 feet in height. It was going to be three to four feet in width. It would be a two-mile circumference. But it would also mean that Nehemiah would have to reestablish the church and the government. And he would have to do this all the while being attacked and criticized by other nations and even people on the inside. He had a daunting and impossible task. And, and we, we, as we read through the chapters of Nehemiah, and I would encourage you, if you are on leadership at all, or this, is, this is, sparks something you don't, read the book of Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah knew he could not fix the city by himself. He knew that he could not fix the city by himself. So is true of where we are today. No one person, no one church, no one entity can fix the city by itself. I love what Wanda Montgomery says, and she said it in a very apropos way. We didn't get here overnight. We're not going to change this overnight. It's going to take a lot of hard work, and if you're not willing to work, then just stay home. Nehemiah 1.11, Nehemiah says, O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success now as I go and ask the king for great favor. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. The first thing that we see that Nehemiah does in order to rebuild the walls of the city is that he turned to God for help. Nehemiah first turns to God for help. He asked the only one who could help him to give him favor. Put great favor in the king's heart, he asked. See, Nehemiah had a dream. That's great. Nehemiah wanted to build the walls of a city. That's great. He was connected to that city. That's wonderful. But a dream without action means nothing. See, if a dream is a God-sized dream, it's a dream that you have in your heart, but it requires action. And so what happens is Nehemiah knows he cannot do this on his own. He can't get this on his own. He can't get there on his own. He can't strategically work his way around. He can't save enough money. He can't put enough in retirement that maybe one day he knew that what he had to do was have the favor of God with the king. So he goes to God. I'm telling you, favor trumps money, resources, contacts, whatever you want to say, the favor of God trumps that any day of the week. And I love how T.D. Jake says it, favor ain't fair. 
If you're trying to go, well, why is that person blessed? And that, sometimes you can't put that into an equation. Sometimes you can't quantify that in some, in some extrapolate and some axiom. It, it just doesn't, you can't reduce it down to that. Because there are times where God says, I want to do this here, and I want to do this here, and I want to use this person, and I want to use that person. And just because he uses a person or a place doesn't mean that that's sacred. It means that he has chosen in his infinite wisdom to do something sovereign there in that moment with that individual. And so Nehemiah knows this, and he asked God, God, give me favor. Give me favor. Open the door with the king. Give me favor. I have this dream, God. Now, you have to understand that it's been 141 years that the city has laid in ruin. This isn't something that just happened. This isn't just an event that he watched on television, the destruction of his hometown. They didn't have TV back then, just in case you were wondering. But it's 141 years. I'm sure there's a lot of people that tried before. There's a lot of people that thought they could do it before. There were other groups and organizations. So why Nehemiah? He doesn't have the resources in of himself. He doesn't have the ability in of himself. He's not trained academically to do what he's about to go to do, but it's in his heart. God put it in his heart. There's something in his heart. This is what he's called to do. And so God shows up and gives him favor. And I'm confident that Life Church is going to Milwaukee with a God dream. Listen, I don't mean this arrogantly. I don't mean this pompously. I love the local church. I believe the local church that you are the hope of the world. I believe every weekend I have the opportunity, and I mean that, and the honor and the privilege to stand before you. You are the saints of the church. That's what the Bible says, that my job as a minister is to equip you, the saints of the church, to do the work of ministry. I'm here to serve you. It's not the other way around. I know there'll be a couple people that are being promoted to sainthood by the Catholic Church in the fall. But according to the Bible, sainthood is not established for those whom the Pope would deem necessary. But sainthood is given to every person who's a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says. So therefore, you're the saints of the church. You're commissioned by God. You are highly favored by the Lord. And God has put, has put influence and he's put significance and he's put people and relationships around you. And it's my opportunity and my honor and my privilege as a man of God to come before you every week and humbly stir the gifts up and to equip you to do what God has put, put in your heart to do. I, I'm telling you, I, I'm not giving myself to politics. I haven't given myself to denominational leadership. I haven't given myself to go, go do some not-for-profit. At the end of the day, what God's called me to do is to equip you, is to encourage you. As long as I have breath, as long as this is what he has me to do, and the pace that he has me to do it, this is what I'm going to do. And, and I believe that God has brought all of us together for such a time of, of, as this. And as we've asked of God, and as we've said, Lord, this is what we're sending our heart to do. Open a door, give us a sign. I think he pretty much did in the first part of this year. But it's only a dream if we, if, if we don't act. How do we get there? Let's keep reading. Chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. So the king then asked, how can I help you? I love it when God works. Amen. The favor of God's there. With a prayer to God in heaven, I replied, Nehemiah says, If it pleases your majesty, if you are pleased with me, your servant, then send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And the king and the queen sitting beside him asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? So the king agreed, and I set a date for my departure. Nehemiah turned to the influencers for help. 
Second thing that you do, you ask the Lord and God opens a door. Then you turn to the influencers that have the ability to help you for help. He goes to the king. Why? Because the king is, no pun intended, he's the kingmaker in this situation. He's the linchpin. If you go back in history, it was King Anaxerxes' people that destroyed the city. And King Anaxerxes will actually pay to rebuild what he destroyed. God has a great sense of humor. And when Nehemiah goes before him, we see in previous verses that he's very intrepid to, to approach the king because he knew it could cost him his life. But when he gets, in, he gets before the king, a boldness comes upon him. And he shamelessly doesn't just ask for the blessing to be able to do this. He asks for the king to pay for it. He asks for the king's protection. And he asks for personal housing to be taken care of for him while he is away from his responsibilities to the king in order to do what he wants to do. This is where we find ourselves right now in Milwaukee. We're in a situation, we're in a place where we're looking and we're needing influencers. We need the influence of city leaders for God to grant us favor. And we're going to have bold requests of those people. Some of those you saw on that screen. And they're going to have bold requests of us. We're going to need the neighborhood to open its doors. We, we can't serve the community if they don't allow us to. And I'm, we're not the first group that's come in to try to serve. We're going to need city leaders and, and people that are in local government and, and in schools and so forth to open and to allow us and to allow us to help us and to, and to give us information. Information becomes king in these situations. And so to give us what we need in order to, to do that. We're going to need those of you at Life Church that are connected. And I, one thing I'm finding is that you are connected. On a given weekend, it is amazing to me. It never ceases to amaze me the people that are, are in a room in a given weekend at this church. If you knew some of the people that we get phone calls that, hey, they want to come, but they want to slip in and slip out, people that have been here on a weekend service that we never talk about, and, and people that you would ne not know who they are that come in, it would blow all of your circuits. It does mine. And I just go, God's bringing people. And the influence is in this room. Not with me. Remember, I'm just the servant. I'm just the messenger. You're the saints. And so God has placed you strategically in places where you have, have not financial resources, but you have relational resources. You, you have abilities to be able to connect us, and, to, and as God opens the door, to be able to connect and to be able to use. I had multiple conversations yesterday after Saturday's evening service of business people that were like, hey, I'm connected with this. Let me help you. Uh, let, let, me, let me help you over here. Could you, Could you use this? Could you use this? Could you use this? Could you use this? Yes, yes, yes. The answer is yes. Again, every dream we're dreaming is going to require influencers. And so Nehemiah gets this, and he goes to the king, to the influencers, and says, I need help. I'm coming to you. I always come to you and say, I need help. This is the dream. This is where we are. I need your help. Now, remember, I'm not asking you for money, right? You need to tell your neighbor that again. Hold on to your billfold, okay? We're not going to ask you for that. Nehemiah chapter 3, I'm not going to read it, but Nehemiah goes and he enlists the help of 38 different people groups to help rebuild the wall. Because Nehemiah turned to volunteers for help. He turned to volunteers for help. This is how this happens. He turns to God, because only God can give favor. He turns to the influencers, because he needs them to open the doors. And when the doors are open, and the opportunity is there, he turns to the volunteers for help. Understand, Nehemiah's a cupbearer. He's not a city planner. He's not an engineer. He's not a mason. He's a cupbearer. He's not qualified in any, in any normal sense for this project. 
But he figures out how to rally volunteers around this God dream. And, and, and that's exactly what, what we're doing in Milwaukee. That's exactly what God's called us to do with this Milwaukee campus. We're not qualified to do this. We're not qualified in any way to be there. But someone's got to do something. And we may not be able to do everything, but we can do something. And the something that we can do, we're going to do it as much as we possibly can. And what's been amazing to me is as we've stepped out to do this, as we've said, okay, God, we don't really know what we're doing. We don't really know how this is going to happen. I don't even have a location, and I need you to show up that God showed up. Do you realize in the first four months of this, of, of this year that Life Church has grown by 17%? Just numerically. Financially, it's the best year we've ever had. Uh, missions, missions is through the roof. It's triple what we've ever done in the past. Don't quit giving. Don't, I'm not asking for money today, but don't quit giving. Keep doing that. Because if you stop, I'll know who you are, and I'm going to show up at your house <laughs> with a Life Church offering envelope and a bucket. I, I'm just telling you. Like, but I'm just saying, like, God is in this. God is moving. And what's amazing is the more we give, because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, the more that we're giving, God's blessing us all the more. The more that we're reaching out, the more God's sending people here. It's like what Pastor Tommy Barnett says, when you take care of people and you love on people that nobody else wants, God will give you the people that everybody else in the city wants. Again, if you knew the people that were in the room last night alone and the power and the influence and the resources, it would blow your circuits. God is bringing people far beyond me, far beyond any one of us. But collectively, God is doing something. And that's exactly how God's work. He, he's working synergistically uh, through, through, through people in order to work and, and ultimately fulfill his will. Why? Because he hears the hearts and cries of his people. He hears the hearts and cries of that city. He hears those kids that go to bed at night without food in their stomachs that are just miles away from us. He, he hears the, the cries of, of, of those that have been abused and abandoned and left. He hears the cries of that mother who wants to be able to provide, but she doesn't. She hears the cries of those children that are left fatherless. They, he, God hears that. He hears the cries. Look, read scripture over and over again, and God hears the cries and he responds. And what's so humbling to me is that he's choosing to use us. I'm going to say something I didn't plan to say. My wife's going, oh, no. <laughs> but most of the time when a white pastor in a predominantly white suburban church gets up and makes a statement like this, people will throw a couple of bucks in the, in the offering. But if you ask for anything more than that, it begins to reduce the size of the church. In the metropolitan Milwaukee area, I have fellow pastors who have done the exact same thing that I am doing, and they've had people get out and walk out and leave their churches in droves. Because at the end of the day, it's just like Pastor Harvey says, this issue of racism is systemic. And we can't change everything, but we can do something here. And so we, I, will leverage my talent, treasure, and ability to be able to partner and connect with other brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of their race, and be able to love people right where they are. And what's so amazing is that you have bought into this. You don't understand how humbled I am that you are not just writing a check, but you're giving of your time, you're giving of your talent, you're giving of your treasure. And I'm telling you, the reason why God's blessing us is because that's the heart of God. I'm telling you, it's the heart of God. Remember the story that we, that the song that we learned? I don't care whether you were in Lutheran, Pentecostal, Baptist, red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children of the world. 
And when we do this, we reflect the heart and the nature of who God is. For God so loved you and I that he gave. That's what we're doing. It's not us. It's not our ability. It's not our talent. It's not our calling. It's an infinite God flowing through finite creatures to touch other finite creatures. And purpose is created. And blessing is created. And God shows up. Man, I'm about to preach. I'm telling you. So, let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you what I need today. This summer, I've written a check that I can't cash. Surprise, surprise, surprise. It's not money. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not money. It could be. Y'all want to say that a little louder. It's not money. Amen. <laughs> this summer, what I want us to do and what we've committed to organizations and to that community is that one church, multiple locations are going to come together and we're going to serve 10,000 hours this summer in the city of Milwaukee. Some of you are saying, man, I'll write that check right now. <laughs> There's no way I can do that. There's no way just a small group of us can do that. And in order to do that, and you go, why 10,000? Well, it sounds pretty great. I, I like a challenge. But it also means that we're all going to have to be involved. Whether you have an hour over the next 90 days, or whether you've got 10 hours or 20 hours, it doesn't matter. We're all going to be involved. We're going to have, it's all going to be equal sacrifice, different amounts. So there's a card that looks just like this. It's in the seat pocket in front of you. Unless you're on the front row. Just pull that out. There's plenty for everybody on the row. There's one for everybody. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do this summer. Name, phone number, email, right on the, even if you're not, if this is your first time to be at Life Church. You're never coming back, but you want to be involved? Be involved. Here's what we're going to do. I, I'm asking you to simply give me your information, and then I want to serve in Milwaukee Outreach this summer, 1 to 7 hours, 8 to 15 hours, 16 plus hours. Don't check any boxes yet. Let me explain this to you because there's certain things that are connected. We're going to do a serve day on the, on the 16th, which is Father's Day weekend. I'm going to explain that in just a second. If you think remotely you'll be interested, please check that box. All that does is tell me, hey, I want to get the information. I want to get the emails. I want to do that. Because we're going to promote it from the platform, but this is really how we're going to be able to connect people. Because we've got several thousand people here at this Life Church campus that we're going to connect and deploy in order to get these hours. There's a lot of logistics involved, which is Craig's job. And then types of jobs I'm interested in, yard work, construction, working with kids, whatever's needed, and, and other. You may have other gifts that this summer are very, are, just, are very simple things that can be done that you would be able to say, I could do this, or 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 I could do this. So our responsibility as a church, as leadership, is to take whatever hours that you give, big or small, and to take the needs, figure out what those are, and partner those things together logistically. That's our job. We're here to serve you. And so that it makes your job easy so that you know exactly what to do. And so here's the thing. If you say, hey, Aaron, I want to serve eight or more hours, which is really what I'm asking, then I've got free T-shirts. I know. You love this. For everybody, it says, I love MKE on the front, just like this. This is not my size. It's a little bit too small for me. I love, and on the back side, it says Volunteer. Because what I want to do is, and they're in, they're in the four-year day. So if you, if you say, hey, I want to serve eight hours or more, it doesn't matter how many, but eight hours or more, I basically am willing, and where would you come up with eight? It's a, it's a work day. I'm willing to give one day's work to serve the city, to serve the needs of the city, to show the love of Christ. 
then what I want to do is just say, hey, we're going to give you a free T-shirt. On that day when you serve and when you're serving, days, whatever, I want you to wear this shirt. If you wear it out, I'll get you another one. Just tell me. If it gets ripped, it's okay. Let me know. I'll get you another one. But we're going to wear these. We, we're going to have hundreds of volunteers on the weekend, a Father's Day weekend. And we're just going to love people. What are we going to do? I don't know. Does that help you at all? Craig's working on all that. But we're going we're gonna to do construction projects. We're going to paint houses. We're going to cut lawns. We're, we're partnering with a, with a local school there and, and elementary schools to say, what could we do physically just to show the love of God? We're not asking anything from anybody. We're simply going to do that. Over the course of this summer, we've got a couple of interns that are helping us on that campus along with Pastor Robert. And, um, and we're going to do a VBS because we know that when schools are out in the summertime, those kids have nowhere to go. And so it's going to be crazy. I mean, crazy, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to do VBS in, 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 in th this summer, and we're, we're going to get in the city. We're going to make a lot of mistakes. We're going to do some things wrong. We might have to jump a couple fences because some dogs get after us, and we rip these shirts. <laughs> Amen. Thank the Lord we can jump. And we can do that. We may get some people mad at us, cussing at us. It's all right. Woo, glory to God. Just don't cuss back. I know how some of you people are. So... <laughs> I'm just saying, we're, gonna, we're just going to serve. And like the weekend of Father's Day, we're not going to have a Saturday night service. That whole Saturday is going to be given to serve. Why are we doing it on Father's Day weekend? Real simple. Because one of the epidemic problems in the center city is fatherlessness. What a better way to celebrate manhood than hundreds of men and families showing up and serving in the city. So we're going to have projects all day long. I'm going to be there. We're going to be doing this. And then that Sunday, we've got Coach Buzz Williams from Virginia Tech, the head coach of the men's basketball program. Buzz is going to be here. I'm going to interview him on stage because I don't trust him by himself. And we're going to just talk because any of these coaches... Uh, they understand that they're working with young men, and many times in their programs, they're, they're dealing with kids that are coming from all types of backgrounds. And if you've seen anything on, online, Buzz, at the end of the senior season that, of that year, he'll take the seniors in the locker room and begin to pray over them. It's a state university, and it's, it's amazing. And so, uh, so I've asked Buzz, would he come in and just spend the weekend with us? And so he and I think Corey and the kids are going to come. They're going to be with us for Father's Day, and we're going to celebrate Father's Day that way. But on Saturday, we're going to give of ourselves. We're going to give. No service. We're just simply going to give, and we're just going to serve, and that's what we're going to do. And that's what I'm needing from you today. I'm needing to know, are you willing to help me serve? Are you willing to do this? 1 John 3.16 this is how we've come to understand the experience, understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. That is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers. And not just being out for ourselves, but if you see a brother or a sister in need, and you have the means to do something, but you turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And you made it disappear. The only way we erase the love of God the Father is when we don't do what we see needs to be done. And that, brothers and sisters, is on you and on me. That's not on him. And this summer, we want to make it impossible for the love of God to disappear. We want to make it impossible for people not to feel the love of the Father. You want God to do something in your life? You're battling with depression? I'm telling you, go find a place to serve. God shows up. 
you feel like your kids are not appreciative of what they have, you take them. Let them serve with you over the course of the summer. I promise you they'll appreciate what they have. Because they'll see that not very far from them there are people that are in need. You're suspect of people in the city of Milwaukee? Come with me. Get cussed out a little bit. It won't hurt you. It's not like you hadn't heard it. But find some of the greatest people you'll ever meet living in houses that have lived there for years. Some of them in fear. Some of them looking for hope. Some of them bearers of the same hope of Christ that's in you, that's in them. This is what we do. We're going to take and do our part, along with a lot of other churches and a lot of other people, to share the love of Jesus. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you, Lord, today for the guide that we see in Nehemiah when we are having a God-sized dream and how that becomes fulfilled. It's much more complicated than the sermon today, but that's the pattern. That's the roadmap. That's the direction. Yeah, there are twists and turns and there are hills and valleys, but, but in the end, that's the destination, is to make your love appear. That's our role, to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. Don't just go to Tanzania. Don't just go to Nairobi. Don't just go to, to Western Europe or don't just go to Slovakia. Don't just go to Paraguay or, or Brazil, but, but go around the corner to a neighbor. Go a couple of miles down the road to the center city and show the love of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. As we walk out this verse, give us strength. Open doors. God, you know we need doors opened. God, give us favor with organizations and places and people. Give us favor with neighbors in that neighborhood. Lord, I pray, give us days where there's great weather. Lord, let us experience what we need to experience. Let us see what we need to see. Lord, let us smell it and taste it and see it. Don't let us close ourselves off from humanity, people. And in the middle of all that, get a hold of our hearts. Oh, Holy Spirit, arrest our hearts. Shake our hearts. God, let us be like Nehemiah where we're mourning and where we're fasting and where we're praying. Get a hold of our hearts and let us see, hear, and experience the grace and the love of God, not just for ourselves, but for other people. I just pray, Lord, as we commit these 10,000 hours to you this summer, that you would just bless. God, you would bless not just us, but the people that we're going to serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.